Pastors Larry and Tiz Huck welcome you to another Larry Huck Ministries podcast. We pray this teaching will fill you with God's wisdom, anointing, and revelation knowledge. Thank you for your prayers and faithful support. Open up your Bibles to the book of um, 1 Corinthians chapter 11. We've been doing a series on... Uh, the teaching out of this of what we do when we do the Lord's Supper or we do communion or what was literally Passover. And I want to open it up again and just reiterate briefly how we started this. So read with me in 1 Corinthians chapter 11. Start with verse uh, 23. It says, For I received from the Lord that which I also delivered to you, that the Lord Jesus on the same night in which he was betrayed took bread. And when he, had given, when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, Take, eat, this is my body, which is broken for you. Do this in remembrance of me. Now, we talked about this the last couple of weeks, and we want to move on to the blood. But it's so important that you understand what he's saying here. And what stirred me in studying this is, this is my body. We always say it, which was broken for you. And yet the scriptures say time and time again, no bone in Jesus' body would be broken, right? Now, we know that we're quoting what we call the Lord's Supper, but it's actually Passover. And we're getting ready to go into Passover. And we'll do communion. We'll do the Lord's Supper. We'll do a Seder dinner. And even in... In the time when Israel was leaving Egypt, they said, make sure when you bring the lamb, the sacrificial lamb, and you take the blood and you put it on the doorpost of your house and you sacrifice this lamb, even then it said, make sure no bone in its body is broken. So in other words, I'm reading this and I'm realizing something is wrong in our translation. Now, we always have so many new people watching by stream and by television, so sometimes I have to reiterate things. Jesus didn't speak English. Right? And he didn't speak Greek. Jesus spoke Western Aramaic or ancient Hebrew. And so if we really want to know what the Bible is saying, we have to go back to the original language. And as most of you know, when we read this, this word that we translate broke is a Western Aramaic word that means when Israel went into the promised land and they overtook the homes and they moved in, these homes had various curses in them. It might be a curse of sickness. It might be, well, let's talk about modern day in our home. Maybe we have a curse of poverty. Maybe we have a curse of failure. Maybe we have a curse of, of uh, anger. Maybe we have a curse of addiction. Maybe we have a curse. Whatever it is, the high priest would come in and look at the curse because it would manifest itself kind of like in a form of leprosy or mold on the wall, and he would come in and scrape that curse away. He would remove that curse. And so when Jesus is saying, this is my body, which has been scraped for you, not broken, scraped, what he's saying is, I'm about to teach you the seven places that I shed my blood, but before you can receive the harvest, you have to first remove the curse. That's why Jesus said, whatever you, whatever, 
bind on earth is bound in heaven and whatever you loosen on earth is loosed in heaven. Now you've got to understand this. You've got to understand this. When you're praying, let's say you're praying, we're praying for, we're praying for Tizzes when she needed her healing and lying. We didn't just go in there and say, by his stripes were healed. We went in there and said, devil, I bind the spirit of cancer. I bind the spirit of anger or I bind the spirit of poverty. You've got the first bind up the strong man. And then you go in and take back what has been stolen. Say bind first. So you've got to understand this, this, and I know I keep saying it week after week as we're talking about the blood, but you've got to understand if you don't kill the tares, the tares will always rise up and choke out your harvest. You have authority. You are not God's little children. We are joint heirs with Christ Jesus. Wherever you go, tell them the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Most Christians don't do this. They don't know this. They ask Jesus, Lord, heal me. He said, it's finished. Lord, bless me. He said, it's finished. Well, how come I'm not seeing the manifestation? You've got to first bind the devil and cast him out. Then your harvest can come. Say amen. Amen. You have the authority of God to bind the devil and command him, get off my family, get off my finances, get off my children, get off. You have that authority. As a matter of fact, God is waiting to move after you bind the devil. So look what he says here. This is my body, which is scraped. So when we do when we do the Seder meal here during Passover or we do uh, communion or the Lord's Supper and we say, this is my body, which is broken for you. You're going to know things that most Christians don't know is when we break that bread, we're breaking the devil's hold on any and every area in our lives so that we could be every way whole. Say this out loud. Devil. I bind you. Get out of my home. Get out of my body. Get out of my mind. Get out of my spirit. Get out of my finances. Get out of my future. Every day I start my day before my feet hit the ground. I say, Lord, I give you praise. I'm praising you for what you're going to do. And then I get up and I pray. And when I pray, the first thing I do is say, devil, I bind you from touching my, my, my life today. I bind you from touching my family. I bind you from touching the members of my church. I bind you from touching my staff. I bind you from touching our television partners. And Father, I lose. So I'm killing the weeds so the harvest can come up full. Amen. You've got to know this. In Hebrew, in ancient Hebrew, there's no word for what? So when you look at the order of things, you see the Lord always teaches us, you bind first, then you loosen the blessing. You look at, you look at Yom Kippur, the holiest day in the Bible. And on Yom Kippur, they brought the two lambs in. The priest would sacrifice the one lamb. The sins are forgiven. He would take the blood and go into the holiest of holies and sprinkle it how many times? Seven times which means the power, the blessing in every area is ready to be released. But it couldn't be released until he went to the second sacrifice 
confessed the curses and sent the curses down to the desert. And when that curse died in the desert, then the blessing would be released. So that's why when Jesus said to Peter, who do men say that I am? Peter said, well, some say you're this, some say you're that. But then Jesus looked at you and he looked at you and he looked at you and he said, who do you say that I am? And Peter's response as a Jew was, you're the anointed one. You're the Christ, the anointed one who removes the burden and breaks every yoke. When Jesus died on the cross, he didn't just take my sin or your sin. He took every curse. Cursed is he who hangs on a tree. And when every curse was broken, now we can live in the power. Now we can live in the anointing of his resurrection. Somebody say amen. All right. So look what goes on. So he says, he says in, in verse 25, in the same manner, he also took the cup the new covenant in my blood, this do as often as you, you know, I'm going to drink this water. I'm hoping whoever drank before me didn't spit in it. <laughs> do we have a new bottle? <laughs> I started, I got to go, eh, this is half empty. Okay. Uh, I believe I'm covered with the blood, but give no place to the devil. <laughs> That's why I paused. I went, eh, I don't think I'm going to drink that. In the same manner also took the cup after supper, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. This do as often as you drink of it in remembrance of me. All right. On Yom Kippur, how many places did they sprinkle the blood? Seven times. How many places did Jesus shed his blood? Seven different times. Now, we talked last week about the first place that Jesus shed his blood. Anybody remember where the first place Jesus shed his blood was? In the garden. Now, whenever we see, and I just want to throw this in, whenever we see a list of things, whatever is the first in that list, the Ten Commandments, put on the armor of God, the seven places Jesus shed his blood, none of that works unless you have the first in place. It's called in Hebrew the Avos or the Avot, the Father. It's the father. It's what brings birth, brings life to everything that follows. And so it's not a coincidence that the first place that Jesus shed his blood in the garden of Eden, Adam said, not your will, but my will. In the garden of Gethsemane, Jesus said, not my will, but thy will be done. And he sweat great drops of blood. So the avos, the thing that births all the blessings of God of the seven places Jesus shed his blood doesn't work unless we understand the first. And the first is not my will, but thy will be done. We need to be in the will of God. Give me a louder amen to that. When I first got saved, there was a teaching going on that says, well, I'm not in the perfect will of God, but I'm in the permissive will of God. Well, if you know what the will of God is and the will of God is beloved, I would above all things that you prosper and be in health. I want to give you the kingdom. Why would you not decide to be in the will of God? If we want to see the fullness of God, we need to look at the avos of this where Jesus said, I don't totally understand it, but not my will 
but thy will be done. We need to surrender our will to the will of the Father because he has things prepared for us that we can't even imagine. Somebody say amen. So the first place is in the garden. The second place is at the whipping post. If you, if you have your Bibles, go with me to the book of Isaiah chapter 53. Now, we know the scripture that says, by his stripes we're healed. And we're going to talk about Jesus at the whipping post. But, and I've taught on this so many times. Everybody's taught on it. But on the way in, I decided I'm going to take you a little deeper than you've ever been before in the revelation of this. And we could read this, by his stripes we're healed in 1 Peter 2.24. Uh, but I thought, since Peter is quoting Isaiah, and Isaiah was written in the original Aramaic or Western, he- or Western Aramaic or Hebrew, I, I want to show you a revelation that if all you knew, if all you knew was by his stripes we're healed, that Jesus paid the price and by that whip we're healed. Amen? Amen. Not we're going to be healed, we are healed. That we claim this. I don't ask. When, when Lion was sick, when Tiz was sick, I didn't ask the Lord to heal them. I praised him for what he's already done. You enter in, listen to me, you enter in to everything he has, his courts. You enter into his gates with praise and thanksgiving. Let your requests be known unto God with praise and thanksgiving. You know, when I first got saved on Wednesdays in our our little church in Flagstaff, we used to have testimony service. And when I first went in the ministry, I did, but I cut that out because people would get up and go, the devil, the devil, the devil, the devil, the devil, but I want to praise the Lord. I'm here anyway. And, you know, we talk 99% about the devil and only 1% about praising God. I don't ask the Lord to bless me. I don't ask the Lord. I say, Lord, I need, we need a miracle in tis and lion. We praise you that your name is the name above cancer. Your name is the, Lord, we need a financial breakthrough. And we praise you that you own the cattle on a thousand hills. The earth is your, we're going to talk about financial breakthrough next time. But you first enter in with praise and thanksgiving. Amen. Amen. So we know, we know the scripture by his stripes we are healed, but I want to bring you to a little deeper revelation on this. So read with me in in Isaiah chapter 53, and let's, for the sake of time, well, let's start with one, and we'll cut a chart a little bit. Who has believed your report? To whom has the arm of the Lord been revealed? For he shall grow up before him as a tender plant, and as a root out of dry ground. Now, he's talking about the coming of the Messiah. We all know that the prophet Isaiah is prophesying about the coming of the Messiah. He has no form of comeliness, and when we see him, there is no beauty that we should desire him. In other words, he's kind of like David. You know, he, when, when the, priest, the high priest came to, to anoint a new king, Jesse, David's father, brought all his sons out, but didn't bring David because David was just kind of a, you know, an average guy. He wasn't good looking, wasn't tall, wasn't big. And Samuel said, no, none of these. He said, do you have nothing? He goes, well, I got, I got this, this, this runt out there. And he said, bring him in. He goes, that's him. 
Well, David, Jesus is from the lineage of David. And so he's saying they didn't follow Jesus because he came out looking like Arnold Schwarzenegger or, you know, or whoever's good looking. <laughs> Whoever, whatever men are good looking. He, he was just a common guy. They followed him not because of the way he looked. They followed him because of his anointing. So that's what he's saying here. He is despised, verse 3, he is despised and rejected by men. Now think about this prophecy. He is despised and rejected by men, a man of sorrows acquainted with grief, we, and we hid as if it were our faces upon him. Remember when they accused him and they all ran hiding? He, he was despised and we did not esteem him. You know, you, you want to think about this prophecy and you think about the nation of Israel. Next Sunday, we have uh, Sam and Shmulek from the Israeli government coming. We're going to talk about Bible prophecy and, um, and the fulfillment of this ministry. Of uh, We helped, I think, bring just from Ukraine and Russia. We helped bring, I think, 78,000 Jews out of, which is a huge Bible prophecy, huge Bible prophecy. Last year, you guys gave over $2 million just to Israel. And we're going to talk about the Bible prophecy in that. But since we and a few others have been presenting to the world a Jewish Jesus, think about this, that they didn't recognize Jesus. But since we are presenting a Jewish Jesus, a Jewish that ate, a Jesus that ate kosher, a Jesus that kept Shabbat, a Jesus that celebrated Rosh Hashanah, Yom Kippur, Passover. More books in the last three or four years have been written about rabbis, by rabbis about Jesus in the last few years than the history of the world. In two weeks or three weeks, something like that, we'll be making history. I'll be walking side by side from the prison camp in Poland, Auschwitz, the death camp with the the, the, the ex-chief rabbi of Israel, a Christian and a Jew walking side by side saying, never again, we are in partnership together. So, so when you read these, I mean, it, it, we're making history. So when you read this, realize how close we are to the coming of the Messiah. Now look, watch this. Look at this. This is, uh, this is absolutely amazing. He is despised and rejected by men, a man of sorrows, acquainted with grief. We hid, as it were, our face among we, we, uh, He was despised, and we did not esteem him. Verse 4, surely he has borne our griefs, and we're going to get into all this in the blood, and carried our sorrows, yet we esteemed him sm uh, stricken, smitten by God, and afflicted. He was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. We're going to talk about that in the last place where Jesus said as well, break every generational curse. The chastisement of our peace. This, when you read this, the chastisement of our peace, and we'll get into this, I think, during, during when we do the Seder meal. When you realize what that means, the chastisement of our peace, it's going to blow you away. Our chastisement of our peace was upon him, and by his stripes we are healed. Now, if all, we, if all we ever talked about was you picture Jesus uh, at the whipping post and you picture him being beaten, um, I guess we forgot to bring it out. I had a cat of nine tails in the back and it's, it's got these heavy barbs on it. And it, when they would whip Jesus, it would dig into his skin and literally peel it back. His organs and his insides were exposed. 
front, back, side, top, bottom. He's been beaten like no other person. So when we look at this and we, if all we did was say, you know, when you're sick or somebody you know is sick and said, by his stripes, I'm healed. I am healed. I claim my healing. I thank you, Lord, for my healing. That, that's, the, that's all you really need. But can I take you just a little bit deeper into this? When we go to Israel in a couple months or whenever we go, um, we'll go to Magdala. And Magdala is uh, where the woman touched the hem of his garment. And they just discovered the city of Magdala. They've known it was there, but they were digging down and, and uh, they found the, 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 the synagogue that Jesus spoke in. They found the in fact, when we uh, opened our, our mikvah, our baptismal tank, when we opened that up, they gave us water out of the baptismal tanks that fill up naturally. The Jesus, the mikvahs that Jesus would have gone in. So our, ours was christened or started by that. But there's a picture where we teach of the woman touching the hem of his garment. And I want you to, if we can pull that picture up, I'm, I'm stalling as long as I can, guys, to get that picture up. If we could just pull that right on up there and whip that on out. There we go. Here we go. And so this is a, a, a part of the, the church or the chapel, whatever. And the, the, the priest from Rome said, I don't know why I'm teaching these things, but I just feel like I need to do this. And, and the people who work with him said, you need Pastor Larry. Pastor Larry will explain it to you. If you can see, I don't know if we can pull that back a little bit on that picture, but if you can see that the woman is reaching in to touch the hem of his garment, uh, would, you, would you bring up our tallits? Now, I want to show you something. The weapons of our warfare are not carnal, right? Donnie, can you come up? Pastor Troy, would you come up with me? Um, the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but they're mighty in God. When we found out that Tiz was sick and Lion was sick, the first thing I would do would go every morning, go under my tallit and shut the door. Now, every tallit, if you guys could open up your tallits and, and pull them out, every tallit has three main parts to it that we know about. Now, this is my, this is pretty much my daily tallit. This is the tallit that I travel with. Uh, this is the tallit I pray n- normally every day. And, and let me just say, you can pray in your car, you can pray in the shower, you can pray walking, you can pray in time, but there are times when you really need an answer from God. You go under your tallit. When the woman said, if I could touch the hem of his garment, let me explain it to you real quick, because I'm going to show you something I've never taught you before. Every tallit has three main parts that I've already explained to you. One is your main part, and almost every tallit, every kosher tallit, the main part is white, because that white represents the divine presence. The white represents your personal holy of holies. Remember when they went into the holy of holies on Yom Kippur, they sprinkled the blood how many times? Seven times. How many times did Jesus shed his blood? Now I'm going to tie that into by his stripes, you're healed. So if you guys could, oh, you can put that down. Oh, yeah. So when the woman saw Jesus 
And she said, if I could touch the hem of his garment. Now, once again, the word hem is a wrong translation. If you look at a lot of your Bibles, it will have below the word hem in parentheses, it will have the word wing. So why did the woman, when seeing Jesus say, if I could touch the wing of his garment, I know that I'd be made whole. You have your prayer closet, right? You have 613 knots, which represents the promises of God, the word of God, the logos of God, what's written in the Bible. But Malachi, the prophet Malachi said, when the Messiah comes, he will come with healing in his wings. In other words, she wasn't saying Jesus wasn't wearing a long white robe or dressed like a Greek or or a Roman. He was a Jew wearing a Jewish prayer shawl, and she saw him walking through the very streets. We'll stand on those very stones. And she said, I know he's the Messiah because when the Messiah comes, he's going to take the word of God and make it come alive. He'll come with healing in his wings. And so she reached out and touched the wing of his garment. And Jesus stopped and turned and said, who touched me? Now, I've taken pictures of the marketplace in Jerusalem come Shabbat. And there's thousands of people. Some of you have gone with us. Our kids have gone with us. And they're, it's just you're jammed in. You're jammed in. You're jammed in. So Jesus, picture Jesus in Magdala during the Shabbat, and all of a sudden, people were pushing and shoving off. He goes, who touched me? Who touched me? They go, what do you mean, Master, who touched you? You're surrounded. He goes, I felt power come out of me. I felt power come out of me. And he turns and sees the woman who had the issue 12 years. No one could make her whole. No one, nothing was changing her situation. But she saw Jesus and she said, if I could touch the wing of his garment, because the Messiah will come with healing in his wings, right? Now, we all know that. So when, when I'm praying, uh, if you can open up, if we can open up this tallit. If I'm praying, this is a tallit that was given to me in Jerusalem and... Uh, I wear this one on special days like Yom Kippur or Passover. It's, it's a very special tallit. If you look at the tallit, there's something common in every tallit that we haven't talked about yet. We talk about the 613 knots. We talk about the white, which is your private prayer closet. And by the way, and I know most of you know this, but when you go in under your tallit and you shut the door, that the devil is not allowed to speak to you. This is what Jesus was talking about when he said, a double-minded man is unstable in all of his ways. Let not that man think when he prays, he receives anything. And so we can pray, you know, in the car, we can pray walking, we can pray in the shower, we can pray wherever. But when I'm hearing that lion has a disease, a cancer that no child has ever survived with, when we sit in the office with the doctor and says, I think I can give you three months, I want you to know those words 
echo. You can't sleep. You can't. And so the peace that you get is that you go under the tallit, you shut your door. God dwells in the secret place. Jesus said, when I see you in the secret place, I will reward you openly. Because we haven't been taught our Jewish roots, we, uh, God dwells in the secret place. Will tell me where it is. This is this is your secret place. This is your holy of holies. This is your weapon of warfare, which is not carnal, but it is mighty with God. Are you saying, Pastor, that I have to wear a tallit? No, you don't have to. No, you don't have to. You get to. Because in the last days, right before the coming of the Messiah, the eyes of the Gentiles will be open. Now, let me, let me bring something to you here. Um, uh, in a couple weeks, I'll be in Auschwitz marching with the, the chief rabbi. He invited me. When I went to Israel the last, the last time and they, they gave us this, uh, this award, the nation gave us this award, they said, what do you want to do? You want to meet the president? You want to meet the prime minister? And I said, yeah, that's great, but I'd rather meet Rabbi Lau. What an amazing man, the youngest survivor of, of the Holocaust. And so, oh, Rabbi, you know, okay, you're a Christian pastor, and he's an Orthodox rabbi. So they finally came back and said, 10 minutes. We'll get, he'll, he'll meet with you 10 minutes. Two hours later, <laughs> we're walking out, and the media's taking the cameras down and everything, and it's just Rabbi and I and, and Pastor Scott. And he says, how do you know these things? I said, because I study the Hebrew of the Bible. I study, and he goes, because Jesus was a Jew. And I said, absolutely. And he goes, Jesus never stopped being a Jew. And I said, I'm trying to teach the world that. And so he calls, and he had told Josh Reinstein, and you know, guys know Josh. He's the head of the Israeli ally caucus out of the Knesset in Israel, and we're on the board for the world. And he said, Josh, I told you to never work working with Christians. He said, we've always known it would work, but we, now listen to what I'm saying, it, but we never thought it would happen until the Messiah was ready to come. Now listen to what I'm about to tell you. you you're not going to get this anywhere else. He said, this was always a sign that the Messiah was ready to come. So he and I are going to walk together showing the unity of Jews and Christians. But watch this. This was only going to happen right before the Messiah returns. When the Messiah returns, when Jesus returns, there's going to be signs and wonders and miracles. Okay? So every tallit has these same components. But one thing we don't talk about is every tallit has stripes. The word stripe in Hebrew is the word chabar or havar, and it means to be totally wrapped and bound. So when you take your tallit and you cover yourself with divine presence and you shut the door, can we bring the picture back up of Jesus being whipped? The word stripe means to be totally bound. And it means to become one. When they whipped Jesus, every part of him was striped. 
And when we put on the tallit, we are covering ourselves with divine presence. We're going into the Holy of Holies, and we are totally bound by his stripes. Covering every area. Now, when we, when we explain more of Isaiah 53, when it says by his stripes we're healed, yes, we're healed physically, cancer, leukemia, whatever. But it means we are healed, and the word healed is, is a word that's bigger than physical heal. You're healed spiritually. You're healed uh, emotionally. You're healed financially. Every area of your life is bound. You know, I was, when I was studying this, I, I love old cowboy movies. And they said, what do we do with him? I think it was Roy Rogers. And they said, what do we do with him? They say, he, said, he said, bind him up. And they were tying his hands and feet. And he said, no, totally bind him. And so they took the rope and they, they totally bind, bound him up. And that's what this scripture means. But it also means the two becoming one. So every time they whipped Jesus, his blood came to defeat your sickness. His blood came to defeat. His blood became one with your infirmity or whatever the enemy is attacking. Now, I know I'm giving you a lot real quick. We, a lot of times we say Jesus was whipped 39 times. That is not what it says. When, G, when we're talking about 39 times, Paul, the apostle says, he said, I received stripes 40 minus one. In, in Judaism, you, God said you can only punish somebody. The most you can punish somebody. Let's say they're, they did the worst crime. You throw them in prison. You can only put them in prison 40 years. Or if you, or if you stripe them, you can only stripe them 40 stripes. So what a Jew would do would never go to, and what if we miscount it? So they, if, if they were sentenced to 40 stripes, they would only give them 39 to make sure that man's punishment was never greater than God's punishment. Because God's punishment is never non-ending. But Jesus wasn't whipped by the Jews. Jesus was whipped by the Romans. And so they didn't stop at 49. They peeled his skin till he was wounded as no man has ever been wounded before and survived, which means he is surrounding your whole life. Not only is he binding the devil, not only is Satan removed from your house, but he is surrounding your whole life with every promise in the Bible, not someday, but today. Somebody say amen. 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 See, now, I, I know that's kind of deep, but you got to understand in the last days, God said, I'm going to pour out my spirit. There will be signs and wonders and miracles. That's what's getting ready to happen. And we've got to understand the authority that we have. Satan, you need to get out of my home. You need to- now we don't, we don't, you know, we don't, you know, let's say our husband's not serving God. I bind you. You're up there. No, we don't bind him. We battle not with flesh and blood. We bind the devil, not to his face, but you got to understand. I bind you devil. I bind you. And, and, and it may happen instantly. It may not happen right away, but that, that spirit has to go somewhere. That's why when Jesus cast the, the demons out, they said, don't let us just hang out. Put us in the pigs. So you got to understand, you battle not with flesh and blood, but you do battle with principalities and powers and rules of darkness. All right, let me show this real quick. So the first thing you do is bind, and then you realize that you bind the devil, but then you realize I am bound, I am surrounded 
in every area of my life with the promises and the miracle power of God, combining them with divine presence. Where two or three are gathered together in my name, there I am in the midst of them. So the divine presence, the power of Almighty God, and by his stripes, we are totally surrounded. Picture Jesus putting his arms around you and holding you in safety. You know, I just got a bad illustration. I just got a new puppy, and and he's the cutest little thing. He's got one blue eye and one black eye, and he's like this is big. And I took him outside to go potty last night, and across the way there's woods, and a coyote barked. The guy goes, and man, he just climbs up my arms, and, and I put my arms around him and everything, and I thought. That's what Jesus did. That's what Jesus is talking about. He totally has your life surrounded. You're not on your own. You're not by yourself. Amen. Now, let me show you one more thing. If you guys could hold those tallits up. These are tallits that I have had. This is a tallit that was just given to me last year. And without taking up too much time, there's one main difference in this tallit than there are of any of these tallits. Can anybody see it? Who said that? The blue. Because the Bible says the commandment of God was, if we lift that, those zitzits up, the commandment was that you're to have a blue thread in your zitzits. That's these knots. But a thousand, two thousand years ago, they lost the ability to make the blue thread. And so the, the, the prophecy is that, and that's why a lot of the, a lot of the Talits have the blue stripes to keep us praying that somebody would discover the blue thread because once the blue thread was discovered again, then that is an absolute sign that the Messiah is getting ready to come. Now, the blue thread was lost. The color that you could take any blue, but it was made from a snail in the ocean. And it takes thousands of these snails to make this royal blue. It's a blue-purple kind of hint. It takes thousands. That's why the Roman government forbid anybody except royalty to wear blue. Because the, the blue symbolized God on earth to the Roman royalty. But in Solomon's temple, the veil going into the Holy of Holies was this blue. And the high priest, which would go into the Holy of Holies, was blue. And the, sign, the, the prophecy is that in the last days, when the blue would be rediscovered, when the blue would be rediscovered, God would release his anointing on all of his people as a royal priesthood. Come on, somebody. You will lay hands on the sick, and they will recover. You shall cast out devils. Now, you don't have to get it. So, Pastor, can you get me one of these? These are unbelievably expensive. And uh, so I'll just wear it in your behalf. But, but the, the thing I want you to bring, out, bring about you is, is that you need to understand you have authority to bind the devil. Every one of us is surrounded by the pr- promises of God. By his stripes, we are bound to the promise. We are bound. We are one with every promise of God. Say, I'm one. I'm one. Say it again. I'm one. I'm one. I'm one. And now, as my father sent me, I'm sending you. 
Go lay hands on the sick. Cast out devils. Freely you have received, freely give. Sam and Shmulek will be here on, on Sunday. Their neighbor is the science guy. And they discovered after a thousand years or 2,000 years, I don't think there's any of this blue since the time of Jesus. And he came over to meet us because what we're teaching. And he gave, us, gave me this tallit. I gave one to Derek, and I think I gave one to Scotty. And to me, it's a sign. Yes, yes. You know, we're going to go see that movie, The Jesus Revolution. Man, in those days, we would lay hands on people. We'd cast out devils. We'd bind the devil. We, everywhere we go, we believe we're the army of God. Get ready, devil. It's about to happen again. Can I have an amen? Would you give the Lord a clap offering real quick? Stand with me all over the building. Thanks, guys. Stand with me all over the building. You know, I know I gave you some deep stuff today, but just go home with this. Go home with this. Number one, whatever I bound here on earth is bound in heaven. Amen. How many of you have something that you want the devil to leave you alone with? Raise your hand. You got something you want the devil. All right, you start off with, I bind you. I, I rebuke you. I command you to leave. Now, I don't mean to sound super spiritual, but, you know, when Tiz goes in and gets the chemo, and I thank God for, for everything the doctors can do, but I picture that chemo going through her blood. When I go under my tillet and I close the door, I picture that chemo. You remember the game... Um, uh, Pac-Man, remember the game Pac-Man? And would go around eating the guys. That's what I'm picturing. So when you bind the devil, I, I would picture that stuff going through and just destroying, commanding that cancer to leave her body, commanding that cancer to leave. You bind the devil. Then you say, Father, not my will, but thy will be done. Are you in the will of God? Are you serving God with all your heart? With all your might, with all your strength, are you serving God? Not my will, but thy will be done. And then you need to understand that by his stripes, you are completely surrounded by the promises of God. And the fourth thing is, greater is he that's in you than anything that can come against you. You know, the first thing's going to happen, you go, a devil, I bind you, I rebuke you. And the devil say, who do you think you are? And I said, I'll tell you who I am. I'm a joint heir with Christ Jesus. And the authority that we have in the name of Jesus is absolutely amazing. But it begins with, Father, not my will, but thy will be done. I'd like to have every head bowed, every eye closed, no one looking around. Real quick. If you're here today and you say, Pastor Larry, you know, man, the enemy just comes against me, comes against me, comes against me. Is there, any, is there any freedom that I can find? That freedom comes when we do exactly what Jesus did and say, Father, not my will, but thy will be done. As every head's bowed, every eye's closed. Maybe you're here and you'd say, Pastor Larry, you know, I've never been born again. I've never been saved. Or maybe you're backslid. Maybe you're, and you know if you're backslid or not. Maybe you're backslid. And you say, Pastor, I need to give or re-give my life to the Lord. As every head's bowed, every eye's closed. And this is for everybody watching around the world. You say, Pastor, remember me in prayer. I want you to lift your hand up all over the building. Because this is where your miracle begins. And just keep it up there the whole time. I see that hand, 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 that hand. God bless you. Keep it up, keep it up, keep it up. I see, I see. 
I see that hand, God bless you. I see that hand, God bless you. That hand, God bless you. That hand, God bless you. That hand, that hand, that hand, that hand, God bless you. Okay, put your hands down. Keep your eyes closed. And I'm not going to embarrass you. I I wouldn't do this for anything. But you're here and you say, Pastor, you know, I love the Lord. I'm serving God. I I, I, I believe Jesus is my Lord and Savior, but I I know that I haven't surrendered my will to him in areas. And, And God's speaking to me about something right now. If God is speaking to you about surrendering something to him, I want you to lift your hand up all over the building and say, I need to surrender this, my will, not my will, but thy will be done. Hands going up everywhere. Amen. Hands going up everywhere. Hands going up everywhere. Hands going up everywhere. Amen. 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 All right, look up, look up at me. Take your neighbor's hands. Let's say this out loud. Say it with, say it with victory. Take your neighbor's hand. They, they washed and everything this morning. You're surrounded not by COVID. You're surrounded by the blood of Jesus. Amen. Say this out loud. Say, Father, I come to you right now in the name of Jesus. I know I've sinned. We've all sinned. But I know this. You love me so much. You sent Jesus Christ to pay the price in whole for all my sin. Right now, I receive Jesus Christ as my Lord and my Savior. Now say this with authority, Satan. Now look, look at me a second. Look at me a second. J- just like, just like, have you had any of you when you were kids faced a bully? You know the best thing you do with a bully? Just knock him right in the teeth. Not, not anymore because we're the, we're the children of the Prince of Peace. But right? You know, how many of you have said to our sons, I don't want you fighting. But if you're fight, going to get in a fight, get the first lick in. Oh, come on, don't look at me. Oh, not me. Oh, hamamarama, he's so violent. Oh, Listen, Satan is a roaring lion looking for whom he has permission to devour. The only one that can give Satan permission to devour you is you. You need to stand up to him and say, devil, I'm going to kick your spiritual teeth down your throat. Because we're going to see at the end, Jesus stomped on the devil's forehead and took the keys of life and death, right? All right. So say this with authority. You are, you, the blue thread is out. You are a high priest, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, Right? You're going into the Holy of Holies where he can't come in. Say this out loud. Satan, get out of my life. Get out of my home. Get out of my body. Get out of my mind. Get out of my spirit. Get out of my finances. Get out of my family. Get out of my future. I rebuke you in the name and by the blood of Jesus. And every promise is mine. I am surrounded. I am bound. I am one with the promises of God. Not someday, but today. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. Now give the Lord a clap offering. Now, I I know we, we always say this, and it's a cute little thing to say, but I want this to be you and me. Instead of waking up in the morning... You know, I, I, 
Tiz and I love the Eagles. We love the Eagles. And they got one song as I wake up every morning wondering what's going to go wrong. And too many Christians are like that. You start your day. Now, I'm trying to give you life lessons, right? How, how, many, how many know you're supposed to bathe whether you think you should or not? Amen. Ask your neighbor. How many know you should brush your teeth whether you think you should or not? When you wake up in the morning, you say, Modeani. You, you don't have to know the Hebrew. God, I give you praise. You're starting your day with praise and thanksgiving. Well, what am I praising him for? What am I praising him for? I'm facing this at work. I'm facing this in my home. I'm facing this. You're praising him because he's already took care of that. Now, come on. You're not listening to me. You're praising him because he's already taken care of that. You enter into what he's already done with praise and thanksgiving. Right? Then you get up in the morning and you begin your prayers. Start, start praying at least, at least five minutes in the morning. Come on. Come on. If my people will humble themselves and pray. Humble themselves and pray. You ever, you ever watch the show uh, Gold Rush or go, you know, where they're digging for gold and they got up there and says, come on, guys, let's pray. That's all we got left. And I'm thinking, you know what? You should have started with that. And you know what? They prayed and they found gold. Funny how that happens. So start your day off with praise and thanksgiving. Praise him for what he's going to do. Praise him for what he's done. Praise him for, for the blessing. Praise him for that. Then you get up and you start to pray. And I begin speaking tongues. And then I would, let's say when Tiz in the hospital, devil, I bind you. I command you to get out of her body. I command you to get out of the, her room. I bind the spirit from our home. I bind the spirit of sickness. I, and Father, I thank you. I thank you for divine healing. I thank you. There are times that I couldn't even pray. I just would thank him. I would just pray, thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. I give you praise. Thank you, Lord. And I would picture things of the future. I would picture us doing things in the future. We're going to talk more about that when it comes to the blood on our mind. But we need to understand that this is the way. When they came to Jesus, they said, Lord, teach, teach us how to pray. Because when you pray, blind eyes open up. When you pray, gold coins come out of fish's mouth. When you pray, you stop funerals and the dead are resurrected. When you pray, drug addicts become pastors. Amen. For the sake of time, anybody here need a healing in their body? Anybody need a healing? Okay, I need some men with Donna. If you raise your hand up, uh, I would like men with men and women with women. You're a ho- royal priesthood. Come on, move. Move out of your seats. Move out of your seats. Come with Donnie. Um, raise your hands if you need a healing. Raise your hand so we can see. This lady right here, we need some ladies. We need some women. Come there. Pastor Christine, would you come? Anybody else need a healing? We need somebody to pray for you. Now, l- listen to me. We are not, you need healing, sweetheart? All right, right behind you there. We need some ladies praying for this lady with the beautiful um, burnt orange scarf. Anybody else need somebody to pray with them? Where two or three are gathered together in my name, there am I in the midst of them. Amen? We're surrounded with the promises of God. Amen? So when you lay hands on the sick, they will recover. Now look at me. 
look at me. There was a time a friend of mine was a pastor, was in the hospital, and next to him there was another man in, in the bed next to him. And this, this priest comes in, and he visited this man in the hospital, and he says, well, in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Ghost, good luck. I'm not joking. We don't need good luck. We have authority. Say authority. We have authority. Whatever we bind on earth is bound in heaven. So lift your hands up. Let's say this out loud. Father, I bind the devil. I rebuke the spirit of infirmity. I rebuke the spirit of sickness in the name of Jesus. And I command it to leave right now in Jesus' name. And Father, I release the power of God. I loosen healing from the crown of their head to the sole of their feet in every area. I rebuke pain. I rebuke inflammation. I rebuke blood disease. I rebuke muscle disorder. Somebody, somebody's with a bad back, and I don't, I don't, I'm not going to do this a lot. Somebody with a bad back, is, is that you? Somebody, and, and somebody with a bad back, we're going to rebuke that. Listen, I used to think people with a bad back, you know, you know, oh, I got a bad back, you know, toughen up until I had a bad back. Right? Until I had a bad back. Anybody else with a bad back that needs a healing, needs a miracle? Bad back. All right, bad back. We're going to rebuke that pain. We're going to loosen. And what I want you to picture is the blood of Jesus going through your body. Where that pain is, the blood of Jesus going through that, going through that, going through this. Father, in the name of Jesus, now with praise and thanksgiving, I want everybody in the place and those that are watching around the world, I want you to clap your hands and give the Lord a shout and say, we know that we serve a mighty God in Jesus' name. Now, what I was going to do is pull you forward and lay hands on the sick. And I'll do that. I'll stay here. Anybody needs prayer, I will stay here. If I haven't met you, uh, I would love to meet you. I will stay here and meet with you. But what I want you to understand, and the reason I felt the Lord changed me, is I want the, the, you to understand God's got an army marching through the land. And wherever you go, Jesus said, I'm going with you. Lay hands on the sick. Cast out devils. Freely you have received, freely give. We need to go as an army. Say, well, pastor, what if I pray for them and they don't get healed? You're not the healer. Pressure's off. Pressure's off. You're not the deliverer, but you are the agent. You are the conduit that brings that power of God down to that person. Jesus says, as my father sent me, I'm sending you. In these last days, look at the last days. The wall between Jews and Gentiles coming down. Look at the last days. The the blue thread has been found, the sign of the coming of the Messiah. In the last days, I will pour, pour out my spirit. And there will be signs and wonders and miracles. I'm ready for another Jesus revolution. How about you? We love you. Now, don't forget, next Sunday, Sam and Shmulek from Israel, bring somebody. Let them come and hear a Bible prophecy being lived between Jews and Gentiles. And we've got a lot of other good stuff. We love you. God bless you. Give the Lord a clap offering and bless somebody.